If you run a business, Bank of Clark County has you covered. Offering cash management services to automate and simplify your business banking, streamlined digital banking, and merchant payment processing that's a one-stop solution. Plus, Bank of Clark offers corporate credit cards that help you optimize capital, organize expenses, and enhance your business. Whether you're looking to earn points faster or lower your APR, Bank of Clark County has the card that's right for you. Member FDIC. Welcome everybody to the Potaskew Podcast. I am CJ, and with me as always is my hetero life mate, Rico. What's going on, brother? How are you doing, brother? Living the dream, my man. Living the dream. <laughs> oh, we, could all, we should all be so fucking lucky. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, guess what? We have another guest. We do. In fact, we actually have someone who is not just in a friend's circle. We actually have someone who is in a media and actually knows a little bit more than, you know, whenever we talk about movies and shit, we just kind of basically guesstimate and offer our opinions. We're actually with someone who probably knows way more than we ever do. Like it's yeah. actually kind of uh, amazing that we got very lucky with this guest. And um, my introduction to him uh, is I first stumbled upon him and I say stumbled because when you stumble upon this guy, it is, is kind of jarring. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> I, I and that's that's him. You're hearing laugh right now. But um, I read this article. Why don't you introduce him so he doesn't have to sit there in silence first? Oh no, I'm, well, I'm, I'm enjoying the I'm enjoying the setup. All right, I'm enjoying all right, the my setup. bad. I, 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 I'm try, you know fucking a little bit of foreplay, CJ. Yeah, and you can't go and just dry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Here we go. All right. He, he, I'm sure everything we could say is not going to affect oh, Maddie Granger. Give it up for Maddie Granger. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Matt, thank you for coming on. Oh, that screech you hear in the background is the unofficial uh, third member of our, of our thing. It's Bart passing by. Yeah. Mm. But no, Matt, thanks for, thanks for coming on. And what the hell made you want to lower yourself and be on this show? That's all I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I I had nothing to do on a Sunday. Well, that's, <laughs> that's pretty much that's pretty uh, much why we record the I, show. <laughs> no, I, I no man, I I uh, I love doing this kind of thing. Like, I I love talking about movies and and you know my own lofty opinion of them. <laughs> well, there you go. I, um, I, and I got to tell you, you I, I did some reading up on you because Rico's been obviously familiar with you, but um, with all due respect when he told me about you it was the first time I'd heard your name but so I definitely mm-hmm. wanted to you know do my research a little bit and I, I'm not gonna sit there and say I read everything that there was but I definitely read over some of the stuff and the f- stuff you've been involved with and I'm oh, I'm seriously impressed because I, that and the first thing I looked up was that quarter pounder with cheese short <laughs> yeah, oh my you god did. and that shit was fucking funny that was <laughs> and, that was funny you- deep cuts on the show man you're you're gonna have your whole life wow remember that this was like that show um this is your life 
Yes, no, totally we're not going like to do that. that to him. That's just wrong. We're not going to do that to him, but still. He's like, like five of my exes show up. <laughs> and they've been hanging out, drinking all day. Well, no, we only found four of them, to be fair. Right, that's there another, you go. That's, yeah, you, so. that's more than yeah. enough, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but seriously, that was that was a really funny short. And I, I uh, as you sure you know, life gets in the way of a lot of things. So I didn't get to do as much as I wanted to, but I did see part of Charlie the Clown too, and I laughed my ass off for the part <laughs> I saw. Well, I'm glad you did. So. Charlie was a Charlie was a labor of love. It was uh, <laughs> that was one of the first when we did that. People hadn't really started crowdfunding yet. There wasn't right. really a crowdfunding scene, right? And so Indiegogo had just started. I don't even know if they're still around, but Indiegogo had just started. And what we did was sort of become friendly with the Indiegogo people and have them sort of coach us through the process of it a little bit. Oh. Um, yeah. So we actually had a pretty good – and we were basically on their front page for that entire time because it hadn't really been done before. And they were really pushing to get their machine rolling. Okay. And so we ended up, we ended up raising uh, – you know. In total, about fifteen grand um, worth of uh, just donated money and services and equipment and time and people and just a ton of stuff, um, and managed to pull off this twenty-minute TV pilot. Um, that was back in like two thousand ten, so it gives you an idea how long ago right. that actually that actually happened. And then crowd and then crowdfunding became like a thing for a while, and then people started paying their medical bills with it, yeah. and then it went yeah. away. Well, no, I, I believe it or not, it's it's still a thing. That pro- the thing is that before, uh, especially at the time you were doing it, there was Indiegogo and um, Kickstarter were really the only two yeah. that were out there. Now there's a, a bunch of them. Like um, there's Fig for video games. Right. I've got money in in a game on Fig. I'm waiting. I should be getting it next year, I think. But it's a oh, wow. It's a Kevin Smith back project, so I'm confident oh, cool. it's coming. It's not one of those things that some dude, two dudes in a garage, they're you know, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, and then you never get the damn thing. But <laughs> sure, yeah. Hey, what's hey, what's wrong with asking for money living in a garage? What's wrong with that? Exactly uh, right. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah, except you have to deliver the product. <laughs> Man, in my that, yeah. projects, we just stood on the corner and asked for change. Pretty much, pretty much must make will work from will work for uh, funding. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> We'll dress up like a clown for money. Right, exactly. Yeah, oh, exactly. geez. Well, Maddie, can I ask you something? Did you get the inspiration for Charlie DeCon a little bit from Andy Kaufman? Actually, the inspiration is actually pretty strange. Um, uh, Why the don't answer to that? that? Is, the, the answer to that is no. I love I love Kaufman, though. I, I think Kaufman was, was Kaufman. You know what I mean? Like, it right. Was, uh, but the inspiration for that Actually, I didn't even realize what it was until many years later. Um, what had happened, uh, I had done a movie called 88 Minutes where I was I was working as Al Pacino's assistant for about four or five months. I'm so, so I for- glad you brought that up. We're, so, I really want to talk about that as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, so working for Pacino, Pacino also had this guy um, who hung out with him who was this probably in his mid to late 70s who was his security guard. And this guy was an old, <laughs> an old Brooklyn cop. He was an old Brooklyn cop. So I he talked that. like this and he was a, and what happened years later, we actually created Charlie by accident in the middle of making a short film. We kind of, it was an accident, like to be, to be honest with you. But after we did the show and we did the, and, and the show came out, 
I got to thinking about like, where did I come up with this character from? Like, who is Charlie? What did I develop? And then one day I was telling a story about Pacino and I started walking around like the way Pacino walks. And I realized, oh my God, all I did was take Louis Crissa, who was his bodyguard, who talks like this from Brooklyn, and Al Pacino's physical mannerisms, put them together and created Charlie the Clown. That's where Charlie came from. And I and I it's funny, and it was this it was completely subconscious, but that is legitimately what it is. It's 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 a combination of Al Pacino and Luke Crissa and uh, God I, rest his soul. I, I oh Luke Chris was dead? Luke Chris passed away a couple of years oh, ago, yeah. Oh, rest in peace. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but, uh, to, to me, it felt very. Um, I see where Rico gets the Kaufman from. Not and yeah. I'm, when I say though, I'm not talking about the character, but the the show format felt very Conan O'Brien, like him and um, Andy Richter. Yeah, the idea the idea was sort of it was sort of inspired by you know very Rat Pack era version of what television would have been if it was a there talk you go show. Rico like, there's your Rat Pack. There you go. So it's kind of like, I, remember when, remember in, remember in Goodfellas, or not Goodfellas, sorry, Casino, when, when Ace eventually got the TV show out of the casino? When he's juggling? When Ace Rothstein gets the casino, because, because they took away his, his gaming juggling. license. Yeah, yeah, yeah so, he's juggling. So, yeah, and then they gave him the TV, they gave him the TV show. So that was kind of part of the inspiration too. But there was that, what part of the inspiration, there was part of it that was inspired by, um, you know, like Jerry Lewis, to be honest with you, uh, the movie King of Comedy <laughs> okay. was a big, was a, was a huge influence. Uh, King of Comedy was uh, old episodes of Carson, um, uh, celebrity like Dean Martin celebrity roasts. Those were all the things that at the time we were really sort of drawing on when we were when we were doing the writing. The, the version that we made is actually the super tame version. The version we initially wrote was off the chain weird like it was just a strange <laughs> a strange one i really wish we had made that one but we would have been like blacklisted forever for some of the jokes i'm sure oh, i got you i got you, you can't hurt the career yeah I you can't that. you know damage the career I, it was I, I personally found the progeria jokes very funny but i you know many <laughs> many others didn't yeah i uh, saw a behind the scenes about charlie Cloud, and it came off very late uh larry sanders show-esque yeah it was very yeah I would have I would have sworn because when I first saw the, all the thing, I mean, everything w about it was was Goomba oriented. And, you know, th these are my people, the Sinatra, Dean Martin, the, oh, yeah. the Italian American, you know, hey, I don't want that kind of shit. That's yeah, like yeah. members of my family. So, oh, yeah, like for sure. I, I associated with I mean, my name is fucking Enrico DiGiorgio. Like I'm about yeah, exactly. as Italian. So when I saw it, I was just like, this is. I love the fact that no matter, like, you are playing it like a fucking New York Goomba mobster who has his own talk show and never once does anything clown oriented. That's, yeah. That was a huge part of it. My brother used to ask people, we'd be watching with people, and he goes, and he would say, How far in do you realize you're, you're not recognizing him as a clown? Like, yeah. that's the thing is, you, the, the clownness actually goes away within a few minutes of watching it. It's a really, it's a really, we, it's just a weird character that we came up with, man. And that's the thing. It just, it just worked for us. And actually, to tell you the truth, we're actually working on a new one. Are we you? Actually have been, no I mean, really, Yeah, people have, been, people have been really, like lately, it just seems to be in the zeitgeist around us a bit that people keep saying, hey, when are you going to do another one? When are you going to do another one? When are you going to do another awesome. one? And so we've actually been writing one. Um, and it's funny, like the, the one that we didn't make before, the one that was, the one that was, uh, 
the one we wrote that never got made. Uh, that one was heavily influenced by um, uh, the Godfather, right? There was a lot okay. of stuff in it. There was a scene. There was a scene where Goomba, the band leader, ends up, uh, you know, taking over half the show from Charlie and becomes like the mob boss of the show and steals half of Charlie's <laughs> show, right? Oh, that's awesome. That was the way it was. So it was, and we we were plucking scenes <laughs> right out of. We were like, we had the Mo Green scene right out of the Godfather in the movie. Oh, like wow. it was like it was pretty oh, much the Mo Green scene. Fuck. And and uh, so what we did this time, it's like we've decided that Charlie's lost his show. It's been eight years since he's seen the light of day, and he's holed up in a hotel room like he's been up there for eight years. Wow. No one's seen him, and. Uh, and it's very apocalypse now. It's sort of, we sort of. This episode is made possible by PwC. When you bring together human ingenuity, passion, and experience with the latest technology, the future starts to look a whole lot smarter, which is why the new equation is meeting the future of work today with ProEdge. Digitally upskill your entire organization to keep ahead of the curve and drive growth. Learn more at thenewequation.com. open with that 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 vegas i'm still in vegas shit you know that sort of a scene and uh then what happens is uh the idea is is that uh is that sprinkles shows up sprinkles the sidekick shows up and um he wants to that's your brother right yeah that's my brother and uh the idea is that he shows up and um they've rebuilt the casino and they want to they want to put his show back on the air so he's there to sort of try to coax Charlie back into, into the business, but Charlie doesn't want back in. It's sort of like the opposite of an eastbound and down where, you know, the guy wants to be famous again. Charlie wants anything but. So it's a really kind of a different, it's a different take on him. So he's turned into Howard Hughes and, you know, it'll be an interesting. So I think we're going to move, we're going to start moving forward with that very soon. Like we've, we've got the outline of the script done. Um, it's just a matter of getting my brother enough, my brother and I enough time together to write the comedy parts. Cause that's, that's, that comes from, well, that comes it, from having to be in that hardcore together conversation. Well, Matty, and, if, if I could whore myself out, if you need an impressionist or an actor, I, I am more than happy to uh, volunteer. There you go. For sure, dude. Like it'd be, we'll be, we'll be up here. We'll be shooting and, it. So and absolutely. I don't know what the legality of getting anybody over the border is, but other than that, we'll, say, we'll get shut down by, we'll get shut down by border services. Like, first time well, a movie has ever been shut down by the border. <laughs> well, <laughs> considering our new border policies, who knows? But anyway, oh, yeah. that, Your that border, aside. Yeah, gonna, don't um, even get me started on that. Certainly. Yeah. Right. I'm with you. Hmm. S- when it's done, like, and I'm sure it's you know down the road, but when it's ready, certainly yeah. let us know, and we'll we'll certainly plug oh, it on the means. show. So by all means, yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, I've been talking to the guys who uh, were all in the first one, Ryan Robbins, and you know, Pilots uh, Ponovic, and all those guys, and uh, we're we're throwing the ideas around now. So you know, I, I don't know when we're gonna do it. Um, you know, we got to raise another twenty grand, so we'll see how that goes. Throw it back up on on Indiegogo or one of those places. Seriously, I'm you sure you'll get it. You never know, man. You never know. I might do it. It's just been. It's been. My brother and I have spent the last few years. Um, like we were very prolific for a very long time in the indie film scene. Okay. Um, and did a did a lot of shit. Like we were we were. Like you, if you've read our bio, you'll see all the stuff that we've done. Um, and we were very public and very prolific. But then we started, we started just taking a turn for screenwriting a lot more. 
And so we've sort of been sort of sequestered into the screenwriting world uh, uh, for the last several years. So this is sort of our, you know, let's get back in the, let's get back in the eye again. You know, let's go back out and do stuff again in public and let's get out, let's get our stuff seen again, as opposed to, you know, let's write awesome stuff and have it float around studios. You know what I mean? So it's a little bit of a different, it's, so, it's sort of going back to basics for us. So I, and I don't mean to make the whole episode about Charlie the Clown, but I do have one just follow up question. Cause I, of, of the two of us, Rico and I, I'm kind of more of the business related person yeah. like i i do a lot of that kind of thing even in my even outside of the show so sure. and i'm not i know what funnier die is in the sense that i knew it always existed and i knew it had these different you know comedy bits and shows and things on of it the first time i've ever actually gone on it though was to watch charlie the clown and it had this ah. thing at the bottom where you say you vote funnier die so what what does voting funny versus die do for you when you go on uh, Thus far, nothing. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's just, <laughs> okay. I, I think I think they've changed a lot. Like back in the day, it was like a lot of user content, right? Okay. So, you know, so I think that what was happening is it was they were, they were generating a lot of user content, and though they were being voted up and down by it's thumbs up, thumbs down, like on YouTube, right? Right, right, That's right. Pretty much what it is. Okay. Um, I- so, so yeah. So if they vote funny, so to, for us to have, I think our funny rating is around ninety two or ninety four or something like that on that thing. Pretty so that good. made us feel really good because we were we we're talking to. Um, uh, I don't know if you do you know Craig Robinson, the actor Craig Robinson. Yes. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah. yeah we we're, we're, we're we we spent quite a bit of time. We did a movie with him. I did a movie with him a couple of years ago, and, and ended up spending quite a bit of time with us. And he 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 loved Charlie. He thought it was great. And what we ended up doing, he told me some information on it which I wasn't aware of. He said that at the time, um, to have that high of a rating was kind of unheard of on Funny or mm-hmm. Die because people are dicks, right? So yeah, the. Yeah. You know, so to have that hybrid rating was pretty unheard of. And he goes, and what's even more interesting is in order to count votes on that website, they had to have been uh, you had to watch at least like 80 percent of it. So that's the other thing that was kind of interesting for us on that was that like we knew people were watching the whole thing, you know, So and it's right. a 20 minute piece. It's a 20 minute piece. So it's like you go, oh, they are watching it. OK, good. You know, and that's the most important part for us, you know, was that people were actually you know, watching it. But I think, I think funnier die now is a lot more like they generate their own content now. Right. You know, I think that's, I think that's kind of what they've become and sort of, we're just lucky enough to have, you know, remained with their, with their website, which is so pretty cool. The sequel might ultimately end up have to end up on a different platform like YouTube or something then possibly. Well, I, well, we're, we're aiming a little bit differently with it. We want to actually sell it as a pilot. Like it's oh, written okay. quite a bit. Yeah. We want, we want to sell it as a television pilot because it's been written quite a bit differently than, uh, the original the uh, when we did the original you know we got a lot of notes from a lot of people and a lot of hollywood people and it was you know uh, you take the good with the bad but some of them some of them stick with you and you go like oh that is a that is a thing you know what i mean like right so we've made some adjustments that are going to make it more a relatable to people as people and be um a lot more friendly for like a, a like like a like a Netflix format or a, okay. or even a Comedy Central format or you know we are thinking of doing like you know eight to ten episode season outline wow and uh, that's what we're thinking of doing and just having this as a pilot episode that we can shop around and show people and and uh, you know see if it see if it strikes the right chords and right now it's such a weird fucking time that I think that it actually might work right now yeah so no absolutely the- and for for what it's worth Matt I I think it. Because you mentioned two different 
outputs in terms of either Comedy Central or Netflix. I I think it would fit yeah. better on like a streamer like a, a Netflix sure. or Hulu or one of those, just because it gives you that freedom to kind of do what you want with your art. You know, whereas a Comedy yeah. Central, there's going to be a lot of you can't do this, you can do this, you can't say this, you can't say that. Where yeah. Netflix are just going to give you the money, and get the fuck out of the way. <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. And they and they've they've built a huge Netflix facility up here in oh. Vancouver now too. So oh, Netflix really? is. is pumping out content up here so you know again like that's the that's the thing we get this thing made well we get it made properly we you know we could very well get it in front of the right i i know people suck and get it in front of the right eyes so it's you know you cross your fingers and you hope for the best but uh donald trump became president anything is fucking possible yeah fuck me oh jesus it's just i i don't even i like i swear to god i think i'm gonna like wake up eventually and this is all just a fucking nightmare like i just i like the last the last like two years of like reality just didn't happen you know what yeah. i mean and that's oh i can't believe it it just still blows my mind yeah you and- I saw i saw i saw a meme where it showed like what if avengers 4 starts and it's 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 where uh dr strange is still sitting on that rock he said okay so that's one outcome let's not do it like that right and then yeah exactly all fucking like dream I really am hoping that Doctor Strange is like, well, Donald Trump became president. That didn't work. Let's do another one. Or, yeah. <laughs> or at least, at least it when Thanos snapped his fingers, maybe he was one of the half of that just dissolved. You know, it'd be great if they just did a shot of the oh, Oval Office so and nice. watch him fade away. <laughs> so nice. I tell you, I tell you, I explode. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I got to tell you though, man, as I loved Infinity War. I thought Infinity oh yeah, War was fucking great. Oh, uh, that was great, so, and I'm not a huge I'm not a huge Marvel fan, but um, I I thought Infinity War was so great, and I just hope they stick to that, their guns on that, and that those people are all actually dead, and they just stick to it. I think that well, would be cool as shit. I I don't think it's going oh. to be, to be honest with you, Matt. But, yeah. You know, um, if you get the chance, um, we did a whole that that four hour episode that I told you about, but I think yeah, before yeah. we started recording, that was our Marvel episode. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, very, very, very cool. And two hours of that was <laughs> Infinity War. Oh, I'll tell you what yeah. did snap and disappear was James Gunn's fucking Disney contract. That oh. was fucking. That was pretty weird, man. I think everybody. I, I was I, when I saw that, I was just like, "Well, what the fuck?" I go like, "What internet were you guys on for the last like, five years?" <laughs> like, what? Like Jesus Christ! I was like, "Are you kidding me?" That's Twitter. What do you think is going to be on Twitter? Right. Especially well, stuff that's I'll, ten I'll, years I'll, old. The guy I'll, wrote I'll, Romeo I'll, and Juliet. Right. But you also you were you worked on Cabin in the Woods, is that right? I did work on Cabin in the Woods, yeah. That was a tough one. That was a tough one. Um the only reason why I bring it up because I would compare like those that and like Slither as like old school, like a new worked, wave of unconventional you worked on Slither I worked too? On, I also worked on Slither, yeah. Oh my Slither. god, dude. Slither yeah. was one of my old days. I love Slither. I was I, I was like I was I was working on it and I was I was like we're making Night of the Creeps what's going on here and then I saw it and I was like oh this is way better than fucking Night of the Creeps <laughs> this is so much better yeah is, so is there anything that like you if we asked you like you would legally not be able to tell us like about working with Pacino or working with like um, you know working up other or anything like that you know there are some things I can't talk about. I'll just tell you if there if there's stuff I can't talk about I'll just tell you it's okay. uh yeah, know, yeah, I, yeah. we have we have NDAs that that people have NDAs that extend out like I, I would never tell any dirty secrets of anybody or anything like sure, that but uh sure. but uh nor would we know, ask to be the, fair man anecdotal We're not... awesome anecdotal stories I have lots that I can tell so that's uh 
that's a lot of there's a lot of cool a lot of cool experiences like you know like like i'll I'll tell you a story now that that you know i guarantee you you don't know um sure floor's yours about what uh about how i cut my teeth in the business my very first job um basically i was hired um i i ended up getting invited to a party in toronto in 1999 it was august of 1999 and i was uh i was i had just been in a band and i was doing some acting and stuff like this got invited to this party and i got there and i discovered that it was the start party for uh x-men one it was sort of like wow. they're about to go to camera they're about to go to camera and that's how it that's how it all uh that's where they all were party night so i ended up in a conversation with uh tom DeSano, the producer and he was like, well, what do you do? And I go like, well, I just finished making this short film and I've just cut a little trailer together and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, well, we're looking for a videographer. If you, you know, send me the, the trailer, I can take a look at what you've done and like, you know, see if we can get you aboard the show. So within a couple of days, I got them, I got them a, a VHS tape, of course, of, uh, of this little trailer that my brother and I had cobbled together for this little movie we were working on. And, uh, I, I ended up getting the job, um, and basically what I was hired as was there was a little brain trust of people. And I'll explain who the brain trust was in a bit. And the story behind them is incredible and probably one of the coolest film stories I've ever heard in my entire life. Um, this little brain trust of people wanted the experience documented, right? So it was a screenwriter, uh, executive producer. There was an associate producer, director, you know. The, I haven't really woken up. Oh, until I've had my McDonald's breakfast deal. And I know this is true because before breakfast, <laughs> I put my phone in the refrigerator and couldn't find the keys that were already in my hand. Nothing gets the morning going like the first sip of an iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's, I'm loving it. Cloud is powering tomorrow's transformative missions. Federal agencies are partnering with SAIC to help them meet these critical moments. Where bold moves require confident blueprints. Where you can accelerate transformation through consistency. Where you can innovate forward and never look back. SAIC quickly and securely migrates large-scale workloads to the cloud with the confidence you need to assure your mission. Learn more at SAIC.com cloud. All these people. And I was brought in as this. So by by just having that proximity to the to those people, I eventually became one of the brain trust in this movie. You know, it would get to the point where even I would be doing some writing on scenes. So there's scenes in X Men One that I actually did a little writing on with the writer. And wow. can you, they were oh, which one? Uh, the scene with Rogue and Wolverine meeting for the first time um, in the truck. That was, That's uh, we crazy. Were shooting. Yeah, we were shooting and, you know, they were trying to find a way to connect. The scene was already there, um, but they were trying to find a way to connect uh, all the tissue of the scene and try to get the thing out of that scene. And it just wasn't working. And then the screenwriter, David, just turned, he was with Brian. He just turned, he goes, why don't we let Matt have a crack at it? And I was just kind of staring. I go like, are you guys really this desperate? And I, so I, I go, sure, I'll, I'll go for it. Uh, went back to the trailer, whipped open the computer, started writing, wrote for couple hours came back and basically they took what existed before and they took what i wrote and they kind of massaged it back together and boom that became the scene in the movie um so, they had to hire a canadian in order to make <laughs> to write oh canadian. no dude 
no, 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 dude, get this. I wasn't even hired, man. I was, I was brought on as this videographer and I was completely unpaid. They paid for my <laughs> expenses. And Brian Singer took me aside and he said, he goes, listen, he goes, we can't pay you to do this show, but what I will do is I'll make this your film school. And I'm like, okay. And Brian at the time was just coming off the usual suspects. You know, this is, this is his mm-hmm. first, this is his first, we had done that pupil, but it was, this is his first really big picture. Um, and that's what happened. And like, basically every time you, something was going on, you go, Matt, this is why I'm doing this shot. This is why I'm going to do this shot. This is why I'm lighting this this way. This is how we're going to cut it together later, blah, 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 blah. So this all became my film school. So a lot of, you know, my, my film knowledge came from that movie. Right. Um, but what was the, the interesting part of the story is there's two really interesting fucking stories here. Um, is who that brain trust was, right? Like, okay. I'll tell you both stories. The, the, who that brain trust was. Um, it started with Brian Singer, obviously, who was just coming off of that pupil, who was, you know, just coming up. But nobody liked this movie. It was this ugly little movie that no one liked. So what happened was our, you know, budget was like what fifty million. It wasn't even that much money. It was like a, it was a small movie for a big budget like that. But you know, we we felt like the ugly stepchild you know we really did um and that's the way it was kind of treated at the time it was like it was like the ugly stepchild of fox's movies and uh what happened was uh give you the lowdown on who all these people were tom DeSanto was at one time brian's assistant and became executive producer because he brought brian to the x-men project so he was a young guy who was kind of new at it he was only 32 33 years old um he had just come come into it um the screenwriter was originally hired because he was he was an out of work actor who uh, needed a gig and was hired to answer phones at at the uh, at the uh, office. So one day he's in the car with with Brian. He's driving Brian to a meeting, and uh, he said, "Brian's like, oh, I don't, I, you know, I got a I got a little problem with this thing." Blah 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 blah. He goes, he goes, "What do you think?" And David knew the X-Men really well. And he goes, well, we should do this, blah, 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 blah. Brian goes, come to the meeting with the executives and tell them. Uh, okay. So, so, so Hader, so David Hader, David Hader, the voice of Solid Snake, goes into this meeting. Oh, kind of that going, David. Okay. Yeah, Holy. David Hader um, goes in into this meeting. He's still one of my dearest friends. He's directing a movie of mine, by the way. Uh, that's another thing. That's a whole other story. Um, Wait. Really quick, Matt. When you're, I want yeah. you to finish your story, but just remind me when you're done. I have a, a really serious question about David Hayter that I need to ask you. So, sure. and you may not have the answer to it, and that will be fine. But I, if <laughs> anyone's gonna have it, it'll probably be you that I can. That's talk funny. To. So go uh, ahead. He's one of my best friends. He's one of yeah. my best friends in the world. Um. So, anyways, so what happened was, you know, you had all these screenwriters on the on the movie. You had Joss Whedon on there. You had Zach Penn was on that script. Ed Solomon was on that script. A lot of writers had put their pen on it. And uh, eventually they flew David up. Brian was like, I want to keep David on as my like onset rewriter. And so David went to, to town on it, man. They were, he was rewriting every single day. By the end of the movie, David had rewritten so much of the movie that he ended up with sole screenwriter credit. So he went from being hired as the assistant phone answerer to being the, to being the, sole credited screenwriter on X-Men, which ended up being, you know, a tremendously huge thing. Right. Right. Um, 
but the, another interesting story, another guy, there was a, this, there was an associate producer on the movie who was basically doing uh, product placement. He was doing, uh, you know, that kind of stuff, product placement and, uh, you know, clearances, you know, that kind of shit. And he was this guy who was working for Lauren Donner and for years, he was an unpaid intern for Lauren Donner for years and years and years. And um, she basically upped him and gave him this associate producer credit. And so while we were shooting, uh, Avi Arad came up. Avi at the time ran Marvel. And right. so when Avi came up, when Avi came up, basically he, this, this, this associate producer, former assistant was basically taking care of him. He's like showing him around, giving him this, giving him that, you know, here's the thing, blah, blah, blah. So at the end of the movie, Avi turned to Lauren and, and said, and said, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of starting up Marvel studios and I, and this, you know, this guy's a really, really great guy. I would like to bring him with me. And she didn't want to give him up because he was really good at this job, but eventually relented. And uh, he went off with Avi. So it was, these are the guys that was, this is the brain trust. And that kid grew up to be Kevin Feige. So, from Marvel, oh so fuck. so that's where Kevin came from, and you know we were all in that together, you know, and that was all of us. It was Brian Singer, Tom DeSanto, who now produces the Transformer movies, David Hayter, who is David Hayter, um, but Kevin Feige, man, and and me. And there's there was a picture in the Hollywood Reporter a little while ago um, with it was just all of us. It was a picture of me, Tom, David, um, Kevin, and Jimmy Marsden, and you know, it's referring to us as the brain trust in the, in the, in the, uh, in the Hollywood reporter. And some guy tweeted at me and David Hayter saying that we actually invented a genre. And I was like, yeah, Holy fuck. I'm like, that's a weird statement, you know? And then I got thinking about it and I was like, no, that's a very true statement that it yeah. was this little core group, this little core group of people, you know, who didn't realize they were doing it, but actually, invented a genre along the way and that was that is probably the thing i'm the most proud of in my entire career is that you know 20 years of, of making movies i think that 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 whole experience on x-men one you know and i stayed with the movie like i stayed through post i went stayed right through the premiere in new york we had the premiere on ellis island in new york city yeah um and we were like a family you know it's like the cast and crew became a really close family we all reunited for x-men too and it was it was probably the greatest time in my career and probably the um, most time of learning and something that I'm still to this day pretty fucking proud of, like pretty proud of that. That was a, an incredible experience and I, it'll always mean the world to me. And um, the ne other neat story out of it is probably just as fucking wild as what I just told you, if not more so. Um, is so that anyways, possible? Really? I mean, that's, uh, yeah. no, no, that's this possible. Is this, is a, this is pretty weird. Check this out. So we are, um, at the beginning of the movie, DeGray Scott was cast as Wolverine. I don't know if you guys know yes. that. DeGray Scott. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So DeGray was or, cast. And then, as, and then he had to go to Mission Impossible 2, right? He was down in Australia shooting Mission 2. Yep. And he was down there shooting it. And they kept pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And we kept having to flop our schedule around because like we're waiting for degree scott to get the fuck out of australia and get up here and do it so we're we've now pushed wolverine's start date we started shooting in august and we've now pushed wolverine's start date down to like god it was must have been mid-october before he started um so we've we've created this this giant gap so that we have lots of stuff we can shoot without wolverine so that 
to break and come up. So this keeps going on and they keep pushing him, keep pushing him. And Brian Singer takes Louise Mengenbach, the costume designer, and he says, fly down to Australia under the guys that were doing a fitting. Find out what the fuck is going on. Right? So she goes <laughs> down there on a, little, on a little spy mission and finds out that DeGray was hurt. He was in an accident. He was a motorcycle stunt went bad yes. or something like that. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. And he got injured and he couldn't get into stunt harnesses. So we were in this situation where now we had a movie character who was supposed to be in stunt harnesses for a lot of the movie, but he was too hurt to do it. And within a few days of her return, of course, he called up and, you know, and I'm very upset and was like, I can't do the movie. And so there we are, you know, it's September now and we got, it's very close. We don't know what we're doing. And all of a sudden we're like, well, we've got no fucking star. And you're like, what are we, what do we do? So they went out to everybody. They went to Mel Gibson uh, and Mel Gibson said, sure, I'll do it for $20 million. So that was a no go. Um, Then they went to Russell. Russell They went to my boy, Russell Crowe. And, uh, and, uh, and Russell said, I've got gladiator coming out this year. I can't, I'm not going to put a movie out that competes. Um, and then Lauren Donner. And then we, well, then we watched, we watched videotape on everybody on earth. Like I swear to God, everybody on earth, every <laughs> actor on earth auditioned to play fucking Wolverine. Um, I heard Glenn Danzig was a, uh, runner. Oh yeah. Well. Never came out of character. Right, right, right. It was the worst. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah. That was the worst. Uh, yeah. I'm not surprised so happened, by that. That doesn't no, surprise me. Not shocked. So what happened was, um, uh, Lauren Donner was like, there's this, there's this actor, you know, that he was on our long list. I saw him in Oklahoma in London and he was great. And you know, they let's try him. So this was this guy, Hugh Jackman. And we're like, huh? Okay. <laughs> so they fly, they fly Hugh Jackman up. Um, and you can find this online somewhere too. Uh, videotaped his audition in Lauren's office. He came up and he read by himself, director in the room and all that stuff. So videotaped it. Um, so that that's on YouTube somewhere, and uh, yeah, it was it was just like no, I don't think this guy's gonna work. So you know they send Kevin and Tom out for the condolence dinner with with this guy, and they're about to send him home, and you know it's not working out. Everybody's fucking in a panic, and so Brian at like midnight that night he phoned he phoned one of the producers up, and he was like, listen, don't put him on the plane. I want to read him with actors. I want to put him on camera with some real actors and see what happens. So the next day. We were shooting. Um, we were shooting in Toronto. We we're shooting that Senate scene um, where Jean Grey is addressing the Senate. So we're in there for you know sixteen hour day. We f- bring him in, you know, and he's he's Hugh Jackman at the time. He was just this awkward dude, you know. What I mean, he was this, you know, he's like this big, tall, lanky guy, dressed kind of like a cowboy. And you're like, I don't know who this guy is. And and you're like, you're like, you're like, you're like, I don't know if this is gonna work out. And so, you know, eighteen hour day passes, and we bring him up, and we put them in front of the camera and shoot this audition. And this audition is also available online somewhere too. Um, but we, we shoot his audition and he goes on, he does a scene with Fomkin, he does a scene with Anna Paquin and he's great. And it worked. And it was like, Hmm. Okay. Brian had gone off with a monitor somewhere else in the building. Like just to be by himself and, you know, be able to watch on the monitor as opposed to watch the person. It's just a more helpful way. Uh, so he's there watching the monitor and some security guard in the, in this place we were shooting came up to him and looked over his shoulder, not knowing who he was. He goes, Oh, is this the guy they're going to get to play Wolverine? And 
Brian looks and he goes, he goes, oh, I'm not sure yet. I don't know. Right. And the guy goes, ah, that's pretty fucking cool. And that is the moment Brian decided that he was going to hire Hugh Jackman. And that happened. We went upstairs. We went to the producer, Ralph Winter. Uh, Brian said, he goes, you know what? And, I, and this is on videotape somewhere. Um, you know, we were talking to the producer, Ralph, and he, he said, uh, you know, you know, I want to hire this guy. And Ralph's like, okay, well, we got another couple of weeks. We don't know who he is. You know, he's, you know, not really known. He's only done some indie stuff in Australia, blah, 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 blah. Brian's words out of his mouth. He said, fuck it. Let's make him a star. Well, and it worked. My fucking, my, my jaw, my jaw dropped, man. My jaw dropped. I was like, God damn. I was like, that's how it happens. That yeah. is how it fucking happens. And the next thing, you know, fucking Hugh Jackman. And Jesus. It was amazing. And he was and he was one of the most lovely, wonderful guys. At the end of X-Men 2, he gave me Logan's jacket. I have it at my house. Um, no like, shit! Oh, yeah, I have the brown. You know, it sucks because I, when I broke up with my girlfriend, I moved my ja- the jacket. It was in her house. I moved it out, and I had the dog tag, too, and I lost the fucking dog tag. I was so oh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I dropped it somewhere. I was moving my stuff out, and I dropped it somewhere along the way, and that was it. I was like, fuck. So... But, uh, you know, that's the price you pay for breakups, I guess. But, um, but, uh, but yeah, so that's the, that's the story of, uh, that's the story of how Hugh Jackman, and they went, it's funny, they went over to him and, and they were like, they're like, well, you know, hey, we'd like to give you the job. We'd love you to play, play Logan. And he goes, well, you know, I'm doing this picture with my mates in Australia. I'm not so sure I can get out of it. And I'm sitting there going, motherfucker, shut your mouth and take a job. (laughs) (laughs) And. And, and, and Ralph Winter was like, don't worry, we'll take care of your friend's movie. And I was like, holy fuck, this is crazy. So, yeah, so that was, you know, that was the, that was the, the birth of Wolverine, you know. And, and, I, and the cool thing about that is I, I went and I saw Logan uh, last year with, uh, I was doing a movie with, with uh, Boyd Holbrook. And so Boyd invited a bunch of us out, like the quick Aston crew of this movie we did with, with Boyd, um, Predator, that's coming out this summer. Uh and Boyd took the entire crew, bought out of theater, and said, I'd like you guys to all see Logan. And so I, I was sitting in this theater with, uh, you know, the cast and the crew and my ex and my brother were all there. And uh, it was this amazing moment of watching that character come full circle yeah. for me. And for me, it was really moving because I was like, you know, day one of that seemed like it's such a vivid memory for me. And like the, the – and I remember – I remember so much of that picture because I was looking through a camera lens the entire time, right? You know, f- filming so much stuff. So I have such an interesting perspective on it, and so my memories are all in videotape. You know, so it's a neat, it's a neat thing. So yeah, that's that's sort of some of the cooler, you know, X Men stories that uh, from the first one, anyways. <laughs> no, <laughs> then, that, then, that, shit, dude, I, then shit got crazy. Right so. now, I. Rico, I don't know about you, but I literally have like a plethora of questions to ask the to ask Matt right now. Like seriously, Matt, you don't know this, but I'm usually the one Go ahead, who dominates man. show and conversation, and I'm I'm like ah. I'm stuck. I usually don't know. Now I don't know what to say. Like you not- achieve the impossible, not just in your story, but like I I lit up a cigarette because I felt like I needed a cigarette after listening <laughs> to that. Like this was like. I just fucking had a fucking brain gas as a man. Like this is <laughs> you are by far like giving us some fucking gold, dude. This yeah, is well, I, hope I hope you like it, man. I hope, no, I hope it's all dude, good this stuff. Is, I, 
this is really in, intriguing stuff, and, it, and I'm not even talking about from like a like a ratings or listenership. This is just really interesting sure. information. So I I know well, I glad. speak for Rico and tell you I I appreciate it, but I, I legitimately do have several questions. So Rico, if you Fire don't have away. anything, I kind of want to hit him with some of these questions. Shoot. Well, before you go, why don't you ask that question that you were going to ask? Oh, well, no. no it, well, okay. In comparison, it's kind of stupid. But the, the <laughs> question I had about I David. I think anything we say compared to what, that, what you just said <laughs> no. is. No. No, um, no, no. I, I just won a lottery. No. That's all. <laughs> Cause I, you did, man. And congratulations. Yeah. Seriously. Um, thank you, sir. But, um, wh- why the hell did they not cast David Hayter for the last fucking metal gear? Like, seriously. I don't know. I don't know. I think that I... is a, that is a bone of contention forever. I think I, I don't know. I've never really gotten into it with them about okay. it, but that's you know, fair. I think there's a, I think there's a, I think there's a, I was what are they, they hired Kiefer Sutherland, didn't they? Yes, and Is that's that what the they thing, did like, the last Metal Gear? Yeah, and I don't I don't have a thing against Kiefer Sutherland. I don't want to make it sound like that, but like No, but it's like why? It's like right, because I've been playing Metal you know I mean? Gear like, games since they started voice acting. So Metal Gear Solid, the first one, and it's always been David Hayter. Yeah, forever. Yeah. So I, forever when I turn it on what's that? It's always been David, just right. forever. Like it's just I was yeah. I was baffled by by that move. So when I, yeah, because when I turned it on and I hear, like the first time Snake goes to speak, I'm waiting to hear David's voice and and yeah. I didn't get that, and I'm like, what yeah. what what the fuck? <laughs> but I so, think that, that was I think that was largely you know I think that was the the, the larger opinion out there too is like it was a what the fuck you know yeah. like, why isn't David the voice yeah exactly I completely I, I, agree. And I did hear some theories because, like, when it happened, I started like doing trying to do some research, and and the one the one that I kept reading, which I think is a bunch of bullshit, personally, is that right. because it was supposed to be pre any of the other Metal Gear games, so Big Boss, they needed right. or they wanted a different voice that wasn't Snake, the original Snake, wow. and I'm like. No, that's not what happened. You can say that, yeah. but that's not what's going on here. So I don't know, but I just thought since you're close to him, maybe you you maybe have some inside knowledge. Don't no, actually, I don't have any insight on that one. Unfortunately, I, I well, actually don't. I don't know what the story. I think he was probably just as surprised. You know, I think I'm that sure. Be, knowing Dave, knowing Dave, I know. And but did he didn't he went back and did another one though, didn't he? No, no, they haven't. No? They haven't done enough. Well, there is a Metal Gear MMO game. The the multiplayer online one, I haven't played okay. that because I don't like those style games. So I don't know if right. he voiced that one. But the last right. like single player Metal Gear, he's not he's not on it. So if you could, if you, I know this is going to sound stupid and cheesy, but if you could pass <laughs> on from one direct fan that you've spoken to, that I agree that that's bullshit that he's not in that <laughs> game. Okay, so for sure, um, I'll, be seeing, next, I'll be seeing him in the next little while, actually. Uh, better yet, ask him to be on our show. Well, I hey, now let's that, not man. start milking this thing. That's not fair to Matt. But um, <laughs> my, the, uh, my next, no, he's a, he's my a, next David is actually directing directing a script of ours that Mikey and I wrote. We wrote oh, a, nice. we wrote a uh, yeah. So we're out to studios and we're out to studios in LA right now, trying to get it, you know, get the interest up in it. And it's a fun. It's a it's a horror script in that sort of same realm as like Babadook or. Um, <laughs> That kind of that kind of world, like Bob Duke or like or like Hereditary, which I fucking loved. Um, I have like a city. I don't ruin it. 
Well, I, you know, you know what, dude? That's a whole podcast in itself. That movie, I tell you. <laughs> Oof. But yeah, like so it's, I, it's a meta, if metaphor is your thing, man. Enjoy because it's a metaphor-driven monster for sure. Oh, there you go. I, I definitely still have some other questions based on the story you yeah, were telling. Go. So I, I want to ask about. So the first one I would ask is, you mentioned that you were writing scenes, and what? So what? What? What part of the scene was your contribution? The whole bit with her putting her hands on the on the heater. Okay. Um, the, the whole piece of her like sort of chiding him about his living conditions. Um, okay. The the line about the claws coming out. Uh, okay. What does it hurt? It was that that was a, a slight takeoff from a line that was in a comic, and I just sort of tweaked it a little bit. Um, but basically, that scene is told in like three parts. And there's sort of like a part that always existed. The piece that I wrote is sort of in the middle. And then there's the, the how David pulled it together at the end is how that scene sort of it was. It was the proudest moment of my life. I went to the premiere in New York City. We went and we did it on Ellis Island, which was fucking crazy. Cindy Lauper yeah. was there, which is even crazier. <laughs> and um, and uh, we, we we were I was watching it and I was realizing that, oh, my God, this is like the proudest fucking moment of my life. And it was the first time I had seen something I had written on a screen and it is sort of what made me like i wanted to make movies because of star wars growing up that's what started it and um that moment of seeing my words on the screen come to life and come out of actors mouths that had made to be me realize I, I wanted to write at that point i knew i wanted to write and david was a great writing coach for me because david was you know he was getting me the writing books and saying like this is what you do this is how you do it blah 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 this is why you do it and david david's a great fucking writer man he did those he he his original draft of watchmen was so goddamn good i can't even tell you like the yeah. original draft i think I, I think they kind of fucked it up a little bit but i love the movie um which isn't something i'll say about Zack snyder movies a lot but <laughs> Okay. But uh, but uh, but yeah, that's but I love I love Watchmen and I can watch it over and over again. Yeah, Watchmen's good. Almost, yeah, yeah, it's um, good, right. man. Like I just love so. It. My next question to you is: since you were there for the birth of the character, essentially, I mean, obviously not Wolverine because that's from way back, but yeah, 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 the, the cinematic version, if you will. Um, and obviously, it sounds like you weren't involved in the Logan movie directly. Do you feel no. like they? I know you said you you already kind of said you saw the full circle of it, but do you feel like they they gave it the right ending that it deserved? Or I thought I loved it. To be really yeah. honest with you, I loved it. I, okay. I I was like, this is a great way to send him off, and I and I uh, you know having him have to fight himself like, come on, yeah. that's about as oh. about as fucking Wolverine as it gets. Totally, you know, that's the totally that is that is that character. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, I no, loved it. I loved it. I, I think have, I think they made some. I think they made some X Men missteps along the way. You know, a few. I left. Yeah, we left after part two. Like after part two was done, uh, we all got kind of kicked out of the club. <laughs> and, uh, so, <laughs> well, didn't and, uh, Brian became, go off to do? It became the Brett Ratner show. But uh, and uh, that's because Brian went off to do Superman, right? Am I correct about that? Yeah, there was some politicking yes. involved in it, but that's okay. essentially. This episode is made possible by PwC. When you bring together human ingenuity, passion, and experience with the latest technology, the future starts to look a whole lot smarter, which is why the new equation is meeting the future of work today with ProEdge. Digitally upskill your entire organization to keep ahead of the curve and drive growth. 
Learn more at thenewequation.com. I haven't really woken up oh, until I've had my McDonald's breakfast deal. And I know this is true because before breakfast, I put my phone in the refrigerator and couldn't find the keys that were already in my hand. Nothing gets the morning going like the first sip of an iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. That's what that's it was. Fair. Yeah, that's um, essentially what it was. Okay, but there was politics involved as well. This last question, I'm going to ask, and if you either don't want to answer it or want me to cut it completely out of the show, I will gladly do sure. it for you. But because you mentioned something when you were briefly talking about the Infinity War. You said you don't uh-huh. like Marvel very much, but yet you're friends with Kevin Feige. So I and you work <laughs> on X Men. So I'm a little confused. I I'm actually I I what I mean by that. I'll clarify what I mean by it. Um, Please. I um, am not one for razzle dazzle in movies. Okay, um, that's fair. I like I like really plain and basic. Not plain and basic. I shouldn't say it like that. But like you know the tone, the pace, uh, the reality of X Men One. You know what I mean. Or right. in X-Men 2, I love that. But when it comes to these big, you know, visual effects generated pictures, um, I have trouble connecting. You know, I really do. And That's so fair. when I see – so, you know, like Guardians of the Galaxy, while cute and stuff like that, is I've never been able to cotton to it because I can't identify with it. And I just I just don't have the I – just, I just don't connect to it on that level that you're supposed to. Um you know, that being said, Infinity Wars was a whole other fucking can of worms. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. and so, but like, you know, there's been a few that I've liked. Like, <clears throat> I liked, I thought, I thought Winter Soldier was probably the best, the best Marvel picture so far. Okay. Um, next, next to Infinity War. Um, right. Winter that, Soldier. It's assumed Infinity, for, Infinity Wars is on its own pedestal. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, it just lives in its own, it lives in its own fucking world, man. And yeah. you know what, can I throw, can I throw a fucking theoretical curveball about about what I think about that movie is. I think what's you crazy, have to. Yeah. What's crazy is why why the choices in the next one are going to be so difficult is because, in my opinion, I think we're going to discover that Thanos was right is what I think it is. I think that Thanos was correct in his, in his theory. His, his actions may not have been sound, but his theory was, in fact, correct. And I have a feeling that you're going to see Tony have to make the same decision down the line. And I have Good a night, everybody. They, <laughs> I, yeah, I have a theory on how they can do it too. I have, a, I have an interesting thought on how they can do it. Is if I think they're going to end up doing it with Ant Man, but I think that Tony could construct his own his own Infinity Gauntlet because they've got that crazy Wakandan technology. Yeah, they've got all all this. The, the, the stones have been scanned and everything. Everybody, there's 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 a lot going on there. You could make in, in theory a synthetic uh, infinity gauntlet. Yeah. And I think that what could happen, what you could see happen is I think, I think the Avengers are going to go back to New York. I think they're going to go back to the original Avengers battle in New York when the sky opened up and right before Tony went insane. And Tony's going to have to say, and Tony's going to have to say to Tony Stark before Tony Stark went crazy, he has to look at him and go, I need you the way you are now to battle Thanos in the future. And I think that what will happen is Tony, crazy Tony Stark, old Tony Stark will wind up flying up and closing the hole and 
and destroying all that, sacrificing his life in the proce- process, but changing the future path by allowing um, by allowing non-crazy Tony Stark to now lead the Avengers, making it a completely different thing. So now he won't have that preconceived Thanos thing in his head that's clouded him the entire time. But I think that what the, the way he has to do that is by altering the future, he is technically in himself also killing half the universe in a weird way. So I don't know. I just think there's, I think that Tony is going to be faced with some pretty stark realities, shall we say. If, I think if, there could be some really interesting mind bendering shit, you know? Yeah. So, okay. I, <laughs> I, I'm not laughing at your theory. I, I totally see where <laughs> you're coming from. My, my laughter comes from the fact that as you're aware, our show is called pot is show is called pot is skew. And it, it's sure. an homage to Kevin Smith. Um, that's how Rico and I became friends. Um, so I'm going to paraphrase Kevin from every episode of fat man on Batman. He's ever done in the <laughs> last like five years. You're a writer, man. <laughs> he says that to Mark Bernard at least once every episode. So I don't know if you follow that or not. TJ, you, you read my fucking mind. I was thinking just to myself, like, this guy's fucking writer. This is I a Mark Bernard. I used to write Star yeah. Wars theories. And on my but Facebook page. That's how page. you and I met, actually. That's how you What's and that? I met. Yeah, that's yeah, how you and I met. Yeah, because sure. you... You wrote this article about you. It was more of a retaliation, actually. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was like yeah, it was against that Seth Abramson dude. I remember that. Yeah, and yeah. Was, this guy I, a whole fucking like tearing apart the Force Awakens, and I loved Force Awakens because JJ dated, gave me something that even George Lucas couldn't do for a while, which was literally give me a new hope for Star Wars. And no pun intended. <laughs> And, and, and then, you know, whether, whether people complain that it was a sort of a carbon copy of the original, I, it just brought up all that feels and all that nostalgia and it made sure. interesting characters. I look yeah. at Kylo Ren as like this, like what we deal with with neo Nazis. Like sure, Vader was yeah. a Nazi, and then Kylo yeah. Ren is like the army brat who joins, knows the Nazi shit is wrong, knows right. all about the Holocaust, and said, fuck it, I'm going to join anyway. Yeah, that exactly, is right? Scary about him. Yeah, he's so, a loose cannon sh- crazy person. Yeah, I mean, and his lightsaber represents his character in a nutshell. It is fiery, it is crackle, it is cracked, it is unstable. And it's at the chaos. Same time, it's it pure is chaos. chaos. Yeah, he yeah. is the Joker in, in, in Sith form, essentially. Right, exactly. Yeah, sure. Absolutely, you could say that. So, about I, think, I think he's a great character. I think he's a phenomenal character. If, yeah. I mean, he is. He does have that Skywalker whiny gene. We all have to acknowledge that. <laughs> yes, he you does. Know, I mean, the only one who didn't have the Skywalker whiny gene was Leia. So yeah, pretty yeah. much. She, she had a lot of Padme uh-huh. in her. She did. I love your theory about that as well. Where you talked about maybe like it was something like you you would like hardcore like old history and translation oh, to yeah. like saints or something about like Padme about like what, like what you have to you have to you have to correct me, but like. It was something about Kylo, and the it was like the Knights of Ren are from yeah. something about Padme, right? What I I thought would be an interesting idea, and I you can't do this now because because Last Jedi came in fucked fucked up JJ's game and ruined everything. But the <laughs> the uh, what what the theory at the time? I'm trying to remember it precisely. But what the theory at the time is like? I I translated the word. I think it was the word orchid, and orchid translates 
to the word Padme in Sanskrit, and it translates to the word Ren in um, in uh, I want to say like like Chinese or something like that. Um, so my thought was that this was the the Knights of Ren essentially would be the Knights of Padme is what the idea was, and that these guys um, were searching for Sith artifacts. Right. And part of what I think they I think the theory I said, it was something to do with resurrection of Padme, something to do with the resurrection of Vader. I'm trying to remember what I said. I don't remember. But that was the idea that they were actually um, honored Padme. They actually were honoring, um, you know, Kyle, Kylo Ren's grandmother, essentially. And that that was the that was the theory. And they were they were fighting in, in the honor of her type thing. I'd have to go back and look at the theory a little more remember what when it was you wrote that it made me immediately think of the da vinci code about like the separate sect of knights that like yeah. were protecting their it. yeah very much so right so that yeah. those temp the templates were doing that yeah absolutely and i thought that was a cool old school idea you know to do something like that i had a lot of, i had a lot of ideas i i my brother and i have an outline for a star wars movie um that we've never quite written my friend jason um is uh is a VP of Lucasfilm and I'm just yeah. waiting for that. I'm just waiting for that moment where, I, <laughs> where I, we finally crack our story so I can, I can hit him with it because I actually think it'd be kind of an interesting idea to, 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 pro, to what we've got. Uh, we have a neat idea that occurs like immediately following the destruction of the second death star, um, completely different characters you've never met before. Um, you know, fresh characters, um, that I think you could actually make a really fun fucked up movie about. And it would be really, really interesting. But I would, man, if, if I had a chance, if I'm a, I, I would, I would take a crack at an episode. I would take a crack at a star Wars episode. I'd walk okay. into that place. So, and Rico earlier tried to get his way on a movie set. And I, I kind of jokingly chastised him for that, but I'm telling you right now, you get your hands on that Lucas money. Please don't forget us. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, we'll do another podcast. We'll do more podcasts. We'll do one every week. I'll go, go under an assumed name and they'll tell you the things I may or may not know about the that movie. That would so. be <laughs> genius. But it would be fun. I, I think it would be fun to do a Star Wars movie. I, 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 would, I would love to do one. You know, I would, I, I've thought about it a lot. And, There's uh, so many characters you, know, you can play with. That's the beauty of it. Oh I mean, my I, God. It, it, because... And, and that's why you've got that EU in the books and all these things. I know they say that's not canon. You know, JJ came out yeah. and said that a while ago. But at the same time, you've got all these creative people that have written all these different versions. You know, whether it be books oh, or yeah. other things. So you've got such a, a a large world you can play with. So totally, oh my yeah, God. It's massive. Like I just think just the the thought of bringing Thrawn into the next movie is just boner inducing. I'm like, if you could bring in oh. Thrawn. You know, and because that's what I thought was going to happen at the end of Last Jedi. I was I was watching it and they send out that that signal. And I don't know if you've read the new Thrawn book. Have you read it? Um, Not not the Alliance one called Thrawn. Um, Basically, the idea in behind that book is that the Chiss ascendancy is basically um, they're another empire, essentially, that lives in the uh, in the unknown regions. So that's where they are. And what they're doing is they're sitting there assessing um, assessing how to operate in the in the war between the empire and the rebellion. Like, will the empire remain viable or not? Um, and if it does fall, the idea is Thrawn would be there to help choose the next leader to 
to so that the Sith ascendancy could basically control that empire. Hmm. Right. So that's what I thought Snoke was going to be. First of all, um, was going to be this this character that well, Thrawn and, was talking about. And to your point about about the Last Jedi fucking up things, like it, it kind of sounds like. I mean, you you obviously have your finger way more in the pulse than I do, and even Rico had more than me because I am what you would call a casual Star Wars fan. Not that sure, I'm not yeah, a fan, but I, like I don't deep dive into this stuff. Like I watch the episodes right. and the solo movies, and that's it. No pun intended, but yeah. you know what I mean. Sure. Um, that aside, like from what I have read, it seems like JJ is coming in with episode nine and pushing the reset button on what Brian, oh, what Ryan Johnson to. did. Yeah, I mean, it, it, he has to. You know, yeah, that's what I, I walked out. I walked out of. I walked out of Last Jedi. You know, there's here's the thing. There's a lot of good shit in Last Jedi. Yeah, they just needed to spend. Five, and I, I wrote an article about this, um, about my disappointment in it. And the thing is, is why I was disappointed in in Last Jedi wasn't for the story, wasn't what they did, wasn't how they did it wasn't making leaps of logic and shit like that. What what upset me about it was that if they had just spent five more minutes on each scene, those scenes could have been better and the movie would have been better as a whole. Right. And my 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 like like perfect example, when when Benicio del Toro's character leaves, there should have been a moment where they went, Where's Finn? And he left with him. Instead of like just going back and in the same push pull of hero, not hero, run, not run. He should have right. went off with, with the guy who's been telling him, don't join, dude. Don't join. And he should have gone, hey, you're right. I shouldn't join and leave. You know what I mean? That would have been yeah. a million times cooler. And I got to the end of that movie. And because basically there's a lot of shit that pissed me off about that movie. But, <laughs> but <laughs> there really is. Like, like, for example, here's like probably the most. But before I say that, though, I will say this. The, that my first comment leaving the cinema that night was J.J. Abrams must be furious was oh, is yeah. all I could think because J.J. set up this beautiful chessboard, you know, with all these moves you could have made. You know, there's a million things you could have done. And it feels like this Ryan Johnson came in and just said, nope, we're not playing chess, <laughs> playing backgammon, well, we're playing and, table tennis. You know what I mean? And real quick, before you get into what you were going to say, because there's a funny comic that Rico and I talked about on our our Star Wars episode that we did called Star Horrors. And right. there's, it's drawn in the style of Ca- Calvin and Hobbes. And okay. it's a little kid sitting there playing with his toys. And this woman walks over and says, um, what is it? Hey, I think it was, Hey George, wasn't it? Yeah. Hey George. No, kid. no, no, no. It's no, no, no. It was young JJ. Right. Okay. Yeah. It says, Hey JJ, can <laughs> Ryan play with you? And Ryan comes over and just like, destroys all the toys and then the mom comes and takes Ryan away and and he's sitting there looking at his broken toys just crying and it's yeah, supposed exactly. to represent exactly what you kind of just said so yeah that's exactly it and and the problem is it didn't need to happen no you know what i mean like you you could have you could have played with the with the board he set you know what yeah. i mean and for some reason i don't i don't know why i just i don't i don't know why i just i just they decided someone decided somewhere along the lines like nope fuck this and that to me was the biggest disappointment because you know i don't mind i don't mind that you kill snow but tell me who he is you know i i would love to know who he is you know what i mean I, i'd love to know what the what the passionate connection between him and kylo ren was to to turn him like he was like he was already in luke saying he's already snoke was already in his heart and i was like Okay, how? 
You know what I mean? Like, what, what is this? Like, like someone tell me this and then you kill him. And this just means JJ is going to have to go back and retro mod that. Yeah. You know, and the whole movie is just going to be JJ putting, putting Bondo in the holes in the bottom of the car. You know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> yeah, going to be, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you I know, mean, that's what it's going to be. The, the good news, if you want to say it that way is if there's anyone that could do it, it is JJ. So I, I, I think he's the best man for the job. Like when he came back in, I was just like, whoa. I was like, I was like, I thought originally that that I was like, oh, that's a weird thing. I would have liked them to get seen somebody else, but okay. And then I saw the last Jedi. I went, oh, that's why he's back because he's fucking pissed off. Yeah, yeah, he, <laughs> he's, he's fixing his toys. Yeah, so oh, I totally get man. it. I would be, I would just be full throttle furious if it was me. I'd just be like, how, how, how dare you guys do that? You know, it just it made him look. Because the thing is, is what I, you know, Rico and I, speaking of the article that I wrote. Um, the one that the one that defended Force Awakens, I had to write an article when Last Jedi came out that basically said, no, you know, I'm I was wrong. Like all of the things that this movie did made everything in my previous article incorrect. So you know what I mean? Yeah. And so that was that was the sort of admission I had to make. Is like on its own, Force Awakens was fine. It was great. It was a sure. It was a little. It was a little by the numbers. It was paint by numbers. Sure, but it wasn't as bad as people were making it out to no, be. No, not at all. You I know, agree. Yeah. No. And then what happened is then The Last Jedi came out. And now if you have to accept that as canon, you better believe that The Last Jedi is as bad as people made it out to be because they forced you to make it <laughs> see it that way. You have to see it with those eyes now. You have yeah. to. Like if if yeah. you if you were accepting, if you have to accept The Last Jedi, you have to go, oh, yeah, maybe Force Awakens does suck. You know? Okay. So <laughs> – Quick, easy question, because I've been asking this of multiple people over the last several years, because I've just yeah. I've noticed there's like a 50-50 split, at least of the people I've talked to. Han dying at the end of um, Force Awakens. Yes, no, problems, don't care. Uh, yes, I loved how he went. Um, I just thought it was very predictable. I think that, I think he just knew. You know, I, I knew he was going to die. I think we sure. all knew. Um, you know, I, I, just, I had just, a bet with my brother. You had a bet? I had a bet with my brother. My brother was like, do you think uh, Han's going to die? I'm like, oh, 100% he's going to die. Oh, yeah. And I guarantee he's, it's going to be some ultimate sacrifice. Like, he's going to go down like Samuel Jackson. It's going to be like, don't make me yeah. look like a punk. Make me look like a strong character. And, oh, yeah. And there are theories about whether it was Kylo, the, dar- the darkness uh, taking over and him stabbing his father, or mm-hmm. if Han would knew that the only way Kylo could progress and for him to more or less save his son's soul would be, let me kill myself for you. Right. And right. so I've been, I've been seeing both those theories about uh, whether Han yeah. knew it was going to happen or, or I think he looks, I, I think he looks awful surprised when it goes through him. I would agree. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I'm sure it was a big surprise because it fucking hurts, but I yeah, mean, yeah, it hurt like motherfucker. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, I, you could say that the son took the uh, the Han shot first thing. He, Han did shoot first. He just right. shot himself. Shot himself. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I like the idea that Kylo did it in a desperate attempt to to uh, to become what he wanted to become, and then discovered that it didn't do it. And ah. I have this I have this I have this story from from my youth that I just recalled a little while ago. When I was a kid, we used to have these snakes. And we used to have these snakes we collected in a, in a little aquarium. And you know, I was about six or seven years old. 
And there was one snake that always wanted to hang out. So, so it was like a friendly snake. And so we had it in a peanut butter jar and we used to give it around to all the other kids, right? So you'd get your turn with the, with the, with the peanut butter jar with the snake in it, right? The cool snake. And when I was growing up, I was, you know, I was, they called me fatty Maddie when I was growing up, I was fatty Maddie and there was, you know, and I wanted to be friends with the kids. And so I was out in the street one day and I lived in a little cul-de-sac I went out and all the kids were there and I was like, Hey, you guys, what's going on? Blah, blah, blah. Let's play. You know? And, and they were like, no way, fatty Maddie, get away from us. Blah, 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 blah. Went back in the house. I grabbed the fucking snake and I came outside and I threw the snake in the air. I threw the jar in the air and it came down and smashed on the road amidst all these kids and it killed the snake. And I lovely fucking story. No, Thanks. well, I, I, I did this. I, I did this, you know, psychologically, like looking back at it many years later, I did this not because I wanted to, not have these people as my friends is I did it because I wanted them to be my friends. If this mm -hmm. makes any sense in the mind of a seven-year-old child. Right? I do follow so, the logic. Yeah, I'm with you. So what my thought on Kylo, but what happened is it didn't work. You know, it didn't work. They weren't suddenly like, Hey, be my friend. They were like, what the fuck did you just do? You psycho. The, my theory on Kylo Ren is that that's Kylo Ren throwing the snake. What I think he did is he's going, I can turn evil by killing my dad. So I'm going to make this thing happen. Grunk does it. Dad dies in a moment of love. And then Kylo Ren goes, oh, that didn't do, do to me what I expected it to do. <laughs> yeah. It didn't. <laughs> Kylo thought he was going to go full fucking Vader at that point. But and he it didn't. didn't work. Yeah. He felt shitty. He felt really bad. He felt it, there's dialogue about it, you know, about him feeling bad about it. And it's just like. You know, so it was that was Kylo Ren's attempt at being evil. And at that point, I don't think he was. And, and at that, that point, I still think he was trying to be evil. You know, I and think that, that kind of goes back to your point about there's some good things that come out of The Last Jedi. And one of them, to me, the first thing that jumps to my mind is you're telling a story or your theory here is that that moment where he has the opportunity to shoot the deck of the ship with Leia on it and he doesn't yeah. pull the trigger. Yeah, but but then no, but the thing is, but then here's how stupid that scene is. Okay. But then the tie the tie fighter right next to him blows her up and sends yeah. her into space, and he doesn't even blink. Well, he didn't even blink. Yeah, yeah. He was like, he's like, oh well, I guess Gary got her. Well, you know, save me, save me the trouble of killing my mom. <laughs> fuck. Was that yeah. garbage? I was like, fuck, man. I was like, yeah. So yeah, well, Gary killed mom, and they should have had a scene where he went back and fucking murdered that tie fighter pilot. That would have mm -hmm. been. Had, had oh, that, that happened, great. he'd gone back and just got out of his TIE fighter and the fucking pilot came up and he was walking away and he's like, hey, TK-9-3, come on over here for a second. He fucking takes his head off. Like it would have <laughs> been, you know, that to me would have been, you know, there's there's him killing his own men the way his grandpa did. You know what I mean? Again. Like that's him. That's him doing the same thing as grandpa. That's him being grandpa because he's avenging his dead mother. What the fuck did did Anakin spent his whole life dealing with the death of his mother yeah. and chopping up and chopping up uh, Tuscan Raiders. You know, that's what he, that's what he did. You know what I mean? And it's, it's just this thing again. It's like, you know, five more minutes, guys, just sit in the room for five more minutes. Like this isn't like, I'm not coming up with genius here. I'm coming up with just what the story should do. You know what I mean? Like it, it's, it, I don't know. It's funny. I and mean, Enrico and I talked about this on this, on the star Wars episode, but if, 
I watched a lot of the, the behind the scenes stuff that are on Blu-rays. Like I, I like that stuff yeah. almost as much as like the as the movies. So well, then I'm guessing you watched like the I think it's almost like two hours in and of itself the documentary of making the Last Jedi. And oh my I'm, god, it's so depressing. It's like they knew. Well, yeah, but I, you're right. But that's not what I was gonna say. I'm not a movie person. You, you clearly have made movies, though. I mean, you, you've been on the other side of that camera, not, not yeah. only literally, but also in other aspects of the industry. And oh yeah, it looked like he was never comfortable to me. Right. And I, and I don't yeah. know what it's like to be in that world. You do, you know. Like well, by comparison, you know real quick. I'm sorry, man. Just but real quick by comparison, I just watched the one on Ready Player One. And sure. Spielberg was in control from day one till the end. Now, yeah. I'm not say, I'm not comparing Ryan Johnson to Spielberg, but you know what no. I'm saying, like 100. percent Yeah, and you're right. He there's did no- seem timid <laughs> and afraid. He, he seemed timid and afraid the entire time in yeah. that documentary. Where you watch it, you're like, oh, he has no confidence because he's like, huh, maybe, and then does that nervous little laugh after everything he yep. says. Yep. And yep. you're yep. like, you're like, oh, Ryan Johnson's so afraid of this job. Oh no! And then so yeah, but and then by comparison, when I was watching down. the Ready Player One, Steven's like, "Yeah, do this, do that, do this, do this," and everyone's like, "Yep, that makes sense." You know, what I mean, like there was never yeah. that moment of question. Yeah, of course. It was you such know, a lucky. Let- I haven't really woken up oh, until I've had my McDonald's breakfast deal, and I know this is true because before breakfast, <laughs> I put my phone in the refrigerator and couldn't find the keys that were already in my hand. Nothing gets the morning going like the first sip of an iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Because Ron Johnson gave us Looper, and Looper was such a such Looper a weird awesome. and very... It was such a basic premise, and it worked so well. Plus, they made Bruce Willis actually look awesome. In oh, a yeah. very long time. That has not happened for a very long time. And yeah, it's a tough, that's you, a tough one. Even though Joseph Gordon Levitt, yeah, I mean, even though Joseph Gordon Levitt looked kind of, like, he looked enough like a young Bruce Willis where it works. His, right. his acting is, is spot on. The story is, right. is simple, it's personal, it's, it's, it's to the point. And I was, I was a big fan of, of Looper and I always recommend yeah, it at work. And, um, but then, I mean, I was, I had my own theory about like, what if there was time travel in Last Jedi? What if Dude, they brought I, Ryan Johnson in? Because did you read my theory about that? I think so. Do, were you the one who said like Kylo and Snoke are the same fucking dude? Yeah, that was me. Yeah. That was my thought yeah. is that, is that he, well, well, my theory was, is that in the future, and this is because this is all Ryan Johnson. I was like, Ryan Johnson's doing this movie. This is fucking awesome. I'm thinking that somewhere in the future, some really, 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 really fucking bad thing happened, and Ray died. He was oh, Ray. Really, really bad thing happened. It was Last Jedi. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, it did happen. But no, the, <laughs> I think my, the way my theory kind of ran on that one was um, that the Jedi had done something to to basically cause an enormous calamity type thing that ended up killing Ray in the process. So uh, Ben Solo being a Jedi, you know, Ray dies in his arms. That's his, that's his, his wife say, right. In this alternate future. Um, so then the idea is that, that when he dies at the end of the universe, he sends his force ghost or whatever back to inhabit a body and the body he inhabits 
is this body of this Snoke guy who is just a really rich guy, like some sort of aristocrat um, who has been either hurt or is dying in the phase of dying or whatever. If you watch Exorcist 3 and you find out how the, how the demon got into the guy in Exorcist 3, it's the same thing. And the idea was for him to come back, hide Rey from the Jedi so that, that she would never die. It was my th- was my theory that he didn't want Ray to die, so he came back in time Wait, to is that save how her. She, is that how she ends up on Jakku? Is that part yeah. of? Yeah, your... okay. Yeah, he okay. hides her there. Was was that was that was that Snoke hides her there as you know at one point in time, and also you know that's because he wants to keep her away from Kylo Ren as well, because if they if they meet each other, that is the catalyst for whatever this thing that costs cost her her life is. So I thought it would be a neat idea to use a guy like Ryan Johnson to start telling a story like that because he's good at it. Looper was fucking great. Like, but alas. <laughs> <laughs> but alas, we got what we got. Do you think there yeah. was, that, I mean, because talk about how Ryan Johnson was very nervous and just didn't seem like he had control. And a lot of, of the blame is possibly attributed to Captain Kennedy. Well, she's the gatekeeper. You know, you've got to you've got to always look like these these things fail from the top down. That's how it yeah, works. I, like how every everything like this works. I have to top agree, down. Rico, because if we're gonna if we're gonna give Kevin Feige all the credit for the success of Marvel, with all due respect right. to your friend Matt, I mean, but if we're gonna give him all the credit for success of Marvel, we have to give Kathleen Kennedy the 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 blame if things blame. aren't working right on on Star Wars. And and isn't yeah, she man. running DC too? Isn't she running both of them? Oh, I don't no. think she's running DC. That's okay. Warner Brothers. That's Warner Brothers. Yeah. So that's. Oh, right, right, no, no, I'm well, sorry. Uh, yeah, I'm getting my people confused. Never mind. Go ahead. The, man, there's a quick way to save the DC universe. My brother and I have a theory on that. Blow too, it up. How to save DC? <laughs> they, yeah, blow it up. <laughs> Fucking blow it up. Uh, no, the, the the idea that we got to just save it is that like they keep trying to reproduce what Marvel's doing, right? They're just trying to make their own. Avengers with the super fucking friends or whatever yeah, yeah. these stupid movies are. Um, <laughs> but what they should be doing, but they've got like, think about like DC comics, man. Like think about how many awesome Batman stories there are, right? Think about how many awesome Superman stories there are. Yeah. If they just made fucking standalones all the time, that yeah. was like, we're going to do killing joke now, right? We're going to hire a certain guy to play Batman. We're going to hire a certain guy to play the Joker. A few years from now, we'll do long Halloween. You know, and it's a different guy. It's a different. It's a different era. It's a different thing. Then you do some golden age shit. You know, some silver age, but some golden age stuff. We do. We do Red Sun. You know, with 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 Superman. You do the Red Sun story, or you do Superman for all ages. You know, you do, but you hire a different guy every time. Then you do Kingdom Come. You mean a different director or different actors? Different actor every single time. Okay. Okay. So you never get the same guy twice, and you never have to tie these stories together. You can just you can just tell awesome DC universe stories because <laughs> there's so many of them that you yeah. can just be going yeah you can pluck that out pluck that out pluck that out let's do this you know and then you've got you know just this plethora of, of stuff that you can just do and it would be the multiverse yeah it's it's exactly what it is it's exactly yeah. a multiverse and I think that would be a great way to do it and just say fuck tying all this together. This is just all the different stories. Speaking and of multiverse, what do you think? How do you think about what Berlanti is doing on TV, the TV level? 
Uh, for the for the Marvel stuff or the DC stuff? No, the DC stuff. Berlanti with Arrow and Flash and Supergirl and Legends and all that stuff. Well, they keep half of Vancouver employed, so he can't <laughs> be doing that bad. Yeah, that's true. So, I <laughs> didn't think I about you, that. Man, those shows been... What's that? Why don't you get a writing job on that? Oh, I'd, 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 I'd try to make it too good. <laughs> I was uh, yeah they wouldn't want me uh, the, I actually was on an episode of Arrow I was acting on an episode of Arrow yeah you were a ghost right? right. you were one of the ghosts ghost number two yeah. right ghost number two I got my tooth pulled out and then killed by a guy with playing cards and I was like huh <laughs> I remember me. that yeah, I remember that me. scene and then I yeah they took I forget the guy's name he was I, I called him not Gambit when we were working <laughs> yeah, it's not Gambit. I, I don't. I I know what character you're talking about, but I can't think of it either. His name. No, neither can I. And I worked with him for two days. I have no idea who he was. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. All I know is that all I know is that Neil McDonough killed me. And then every time I see Neil, Neil McDonough at work, I'm like, Hey, man, how you doing? He goes, Oh, you're still alive. I'm like, yeah. But that's pretty funny. But yeah, it was. Uh, um, that was. I. You know, Arrow. I don't. I don't really watch. To be honest with you, I don't really okay. watch a lot of television. That's fair. Um. The only things I really watch are I've banned CNN and all news from my life because it was making me insane. And I, I really only watch, God, you know, I'll watch Game of Thrones. I don't like where it's gone, Game of Thrones, but I do watch Game of Thrones. Um, okay. You know, I, I think that what was beautiful about that show. Um, sorry if I'm monopolizing all your airtime, by the way. I'm, that, I'm no, verbose. By all means, I'm very you, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, I think that when it comes to Game of Thrones, I think what was so great about about that show for so many years wasn't that cool shit happened. It wasn't that the unexpected would die. It wasn't that kind of stuff. What I loved about it was the pacing. And I thought that the pace of that show was so patient and just so, so well done that it was it was beautiful to watch you know to know that you know it's going to take this entire season to get to the wall you know that was a big deal you know um mm -hmm. and now it feels like you know well we got to get to the wall well two minutes later you're at the wall and i'm like hmm your pacing is bad now and that's something I've, i think that's happened because they don't they're now racing to the end you know what i mean and i feel like they've just kind of throttled down to get to the end of the show and that's what they're doing. And I think it's becoming predictable and it's becoming um, it's becoming just too fast paced um, compared to what it was. And I and I loved the patience of the show. And now without that patience, I'm sort of like, ugh, you know, like how's the like like the, the idea that Jon Snow and what's her face are together now is is just weird because they just met, you know, and <laughs> It's like it's like it's so, so quick. You had you had uh, two seasons before the girl decided she was going to kill the hound. You know what I mean? So it was like, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that, that that's sort of the, my issues with that show. But but uh, <laughs> I, I like that show. I don't know. I like I loved Breaking Bad when it was on. I think it's the best television show ever to happen. Um, but yeah, I don't really watch much network stuff or any of that CW stuff. I just no, that's I just, fair. Uh, I, I just it seems yeah, like you're into the time. Well, yeah, but it it just seems like since you're you are into the comic world and the Star Wars world that it might just be something you would had your finger on. So yeah, I was just yeah. curious. Yeah, no, I see them every day, but I, you know, their office is across from my office on my last show. So I was like, hey, there they, Arrow again. 
So, but they're they're back for season like three thousand or something like that at yeah, this point. Yeah, Arrow but, I think is season seven. Flash is coming up on five. Yeah, Supergirl. Yeah, they four. shoot. They yeah. shoot on. They shoot on like the stages are right next to each other. At right. The, yeah. The yeah. Conclusions. You get Flash on one and the other one, Arrow on the other one. It's yeah. Just, I don't know where Supergirl is, but they, yeah, uh, there's a lot Kevin's, of that. Kevin's talked about it, but I can't remember because we listen to all of his shows and stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah, I've never actually met Kevin Smith. I'd like to. My friend Steve Stark used to do his animation for yes. his show. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. JM. Yeah, my friend Steve Stark did that. Yeah, he was, uh, he was the animator for, for that he show did, for a long time. Didn't he also do um, Jane Bob's Silent Gro- or um, Jay yeah. and Silent Bob's Super Groovy cartoon movie? Yeah, that's what he was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that was Steve. Real good guy. Real good fella. Yeah, I mean, the, the few times I've heard Kevin talk about him, he's had nothing but positive things to say about him either. Oh, so yeah. For what that's worth. Yeah, he's a great. Yeah, he's a, he's an, he's like a cool, like, like when I met him, he was doing flash animation, like 2D flash stuff. And I think he's still doing that exact same style. He's just gotten really fucking good at it. Yeah. You know, and, and, and really put the pedal down and really went for it. But yeah, I he's think, a good guy. No, I didn't mean to cut you off, Matt, please. Oh, oh uh, did you? I didn't even know. <laughs> oh, um, he, no, because Kevin, um, they do this thing right now, and and I think you will appreciate this more than anything. But um, there's a Twitter handle out there called ScanBC. Um, okay. And what it is is oh, a base- it's the police scanner. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm on that. I'm on that. I follow that. Yeah. yeah so do I, and I follow up because of Kevin. Because what he'll do on every so often is he he and Scott Mosher will sit down and read like the non-lethal tweets from it. So like if you know right. if someone dies, they don't talk about that. But like you know like right. You know, some guy's walking down the street with a hockey stick and no pants yeah, or some yeah. weird shit like that. You know, whatever. Um, They're hilarious. Right. But so they'll talk about it on on Smodcast. And then right. Steve, I'm assuming, based on the cartoon style, will animate the stories and they throw them up on YouTube. Oh, that's funny as hell. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. It's on Here, Kevin Smith's channel. I just have to send a quick message to a guy. Oh, sorry. Sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just have to oh. send a quick message and bump. I'm just going to bump my call that I have my six o'clock. I'm having too much fun with you guys. No, oh, um, no. If you got to, we appreciate that. But if you got to do your thing, we don't want to mess up your your schedule here. No, all good. Uh, okay. Sending a quick quick text message here. Sorry for interrupting. Oh no, uh, no, dude. We could, we could we could pause. You need to go to like yeah. take a break or something if you want to. Yeah, yeah. No, nope. I'm, nope, okay. I'm done. Stop for a No, I'm done. Already sent. I'm running out of ideas here. <laughs> There's just so many places to go. I don't know where to go next. So, oh man, there's lots. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Uh, if you could actually write, direct a either DC or Marvel or even Sandman type of thing, what mm-hmm. what superhero would you actually make a movie of? GI Joe. <laughs> That's kidding. not what I expected, but I'm now curious That's to hear not this. What I expected. Yeah, I would love to hear that interpretation. Uh, my brother and I wrote a draft of G.I. Joe in uh, 2001, I think, um, that was at Paramount for a bit. Um, I got a call from Brian Singer one day saying, I'm sitting in Brian Witten's office and your script is on his desk. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? And so, uh, yeah, we, we spec'd it out. Um, and we wrote a very real world, uh, GI Joe. Cause I was just, you know, I was in that X-Men one, X-Men two real world headspace. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that was the, that was the, that was the movie I wanted to make. And, um, 
you know, eventually the rights got all flustered around and, and they went to, uh, they went to, I forget who they went to. Um, what's his name? The guy, he, one of the producers on, on Transformers, big dude. Um, but th- this interesting Michael story Bay. about how, no, it wasn't Michael Bay. It was a Larry, uh, ah, I forget. Um, but, but what happened was then the rights bounced around and the, and then next thing you know, I got my script back in the mail with a letter said that, Hey, by the way, we didn't read this. <laughs> sent it back Jesus. to me. And I was, yeah, I've got the letters. I've got the letters somewhere. Um, but yeah, we wrote this very real world uh, G.I. Joe, which was based on the first 20 comics. It was sort of the first that first run okay. of comics. And it was about uh, the origin of Cobra, what it actually was um, in a real, very real world sense. Um, like our version of Cobra was they weren't just some crazy terrorist organization from nowhere. What they were was a, they were an elite team of, uh, American military that were, um, tasked with starting conflicts in countries. So the idea was at the time the Iraq war had happened that when you saw that footage of the Iraqis invading Kuwait, that wasn't Iraqis invading Kuwait. That was this task, this American task force. Uh, I forget what the name of it was at the time, but their symbol was a cobra snake. And their, that was their, their job, was to, was to start these conflicts in all these places around the world. Um, so eventually what happens is they become disgruntled. They uh, are basically shut out. Um, the government will not, not, you know, they basically make them non-existent. So these guys are all PTSD fucked up crazy fucking former commandos who are now seeking revenge on America for what they did to them. And the idea was um, that GI Joe is then tat this GI Joe team, which was called the, the, what was it called? Like the general insurgent joint operation elite team or something like that we put it, we, there was a name, like it was called GI Joe for a reason. And, uh, and the idea was, is they were tasked with finding this, finding who this Cobra, who finding Cobra, who are they? What are they? And let's take them down because they've started a war in another country on their own and are making it look like it's America doing it. So basically they, this, now that they're vengeful Cobra, they do it in West Africa. Um, in, uh, I think we did it in Ghana and it was, they started a war of America. They started American planes bombing in, in Ghana. And so the whole world goes nuts going, why the fuck are you bombing Ghana? But in in reality, it's Cobra Bomb in Ghana, and the GI Joe team has to go and and uh, infiltrate and deal with this thing that's happening. And of course, we deal with Snake Eyes and and uh, Storm Shadow's story, and we we deal with all that. We deal with the Baroness, and we deal with uh, that. Deal with it. Just yeah. sounds so much better than the movie that actually came out. Um, yeah, I know. I I have <laughs> so, to ask you this though. I have two quick questions. Well, it's a question and a request, depending on the answer to the question. So the question I, is: Would you have covered cobra commander's face like would you have had yes. that same okay then david Hayter has to voice that fucking character if you ever make that movie <laughs> there you go there you go and i'm not just Absolutely. saying that like that would be the perfect either that or or if you did it like an animated then he has to do like snake eyes because sure yeah 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 but the uh it's funny because the script is actually really fucking it's it, it's it's probably one of the, my favorite scripts. I, I think my brother and I have written you know fifteen twenty scripts along the way, uh, so, just in the getting better at it 
you know, phase. Absolutely. You know, the more you do um, something, the better you get. Just, yeah. I mean, honestly, like I, we we joke about the episodes here. If you go back and listen to the first Star Star Wars episode, it's compared to sure. this, it's where we're at now. It's terrible. But it, well, yeah, exactly. It, well, it's, you just get better. It's the ten thousand hour rule. Exactly. You know, it's the ten thousand hour rule. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, well, uh, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh no, I was yeah, I was I was saying we we did have his face covered because there's this great fucking scene at the end. We had him in the in the cowl, not in the silver thing. Okay, we had him okay, in the cowl yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for the majority of the movie, and then what happens is at the end, um, there's this great scene where he puts on the battle helmet and he's in the final fight with uh, Hawk. We didn't put Duke in. We put Hawk in. Okay. We went with like original. We went with like original six on this. Oh, and G.I.J. Oh yeah, it was it was Breaker, Grunt, uh, Snake Eyes. Uh, uh, who else was in uh, Clutch, Scarlet, oh my God. Stalker, really oh, yeah, we went Rock OG. and Roll, Holy shit. Rock and Roll with the beard. Uh, that's so that's where we went with it. And um, and uh, uh, there's this great shot at the end where. There, where, where Hawk is in this fight with with Cobra Commander, and they're trash in this room, and it's coming out who Cobra is, right? Because he knows him. Hawk knows him personally. Right. Like he's like, oh my god. And then what the craziest thing is is this awesome moment where they he Cobra Commander says he goes, what you've got to realize is that you and me are the same fucking thing. And then there's this shot of of Hawk looking at himself in the reflection of Cobra Commander's mask. Um, but it's all distorted because of the way the shape. So he look, he's looking at himself completely distorted. Looking back. It was a fucking great scene. I love it. Dude, this. that sounds amazing. Like, really, yeah, Adon. You are a fucking writer, sir. Jesus yeah. Christ. <laughs> I hope so, someone notices one day. Oh, well, you got yeah. to, dude, I, I, yeah. Anyway, I, I have to ask, though, like, to that same point, you said you got that call. It wasn't about G.I. Joe, but it was a different script. I, it just went out of my head about which one it was. But you said you got that call from Brian Singer. That it was sitting on the dude's desk. Yeah, that was that... G.I. Joe. Yeah, it was sitting. Oh, it was G.I. Joe. Okay. When yeah. you when you get a call from, obviously not from, because you know, I think you would consider Brian Singer a friend, right? So it's, it would be like any of your other friends calling you at this point. That's not the part. But when he calls you and says it's sitting on some guy's desk, does that still, like, excite you? Does that still, like, blow your mind? Or is that just old hat at this point? Anytime something cool happens, it blows my mind. Like, okay. I, like this is the thing, man. I'm like... I just did a pilot. A friend of mine called me up and he was like, he's like, uh, he's, I'm directing this pilot. He goes, I just want like a filmmaker on my team. He just come and be my dude and sit with me and fucking be my sidekick. And I'm like, yeah, man, fucking, fucking, yeah, well. So I went and I did this pilot. And uh, there's this day where I was standing there. I was just kind of looking through, I was looking at the set and really kind of admiring it and like looking around. And a friend of mine, my production front manager friend came up to me. And he looks, he goes, you like, because they're a production designer, because he had built the set. And I, he goes, he goes, you like the set? And I just looked at him, I was like, Brian, I go, there isn't a day that's gone by in the last 20 years where I've not come to work and been impressed. You know what I mean? And that, yeah. and that for me is the joy because truthfully, I love this business more than anything. Um, it's an abusive relationship, yeah. but it's, it's, uh, <laughs> I love going to work. I love, you know, I love the people that I've gotten to know over the years. Um, I love the projects that I've worked on. I think I've, I was looking at my IMDb the other day. I've got like 55 credits on there and each yeah. one of them is such a different experience. You know, that's the cool thing is that, is that never, never is it the same thing twice. Um, and this is the beauty of this business is it's, it's, it's never the same. No, no two shows are the same. That's for sure. Um, 
every day you are not going into a place that's old hat for you. You're going into something new, which presents its own set of hurdles and circumstances and difficulties. Um, and it's like putting together a big jigsaw puzzle, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I love working on these movies, you know, like I love going into work, you know, and helping my boss put together the schedule and helping my boss put together the budget. You know, I love doing that because it's a big giant jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. And at the end of the, at the end of the day, I can look at it and go, fuck, we did it. Wow. I had this really cool moment. Whoa. Hold it right there. How many more cool moments can this guy have? CJ here to tell you the answer is plenty. And if you want to hear the one he's about to tell us about, you need to download next week's episode. Until then, here are a few thank yous and I'll let you know how you can get in touch with and follow the show and us. First, a very big thank you to our special guest, Matt Granger. You can find him on Twitter and Instagram at Reverend Matty. And while you're online, check out his website, The Granger Bros, at www.thegrangerbros.com. For Podeskew, go to iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play Music to listen to, subscribe, rate, and comment on the show, or the Listen Notes podcast search engine at www.listennotes.com. Go there, type in Podeskew, all one word, and you can stream it right there. If you want to agree with or yell at us directly, follow Rico, me, and the show on Twitter. The show is at Podeskew, Rico is at Rance Rico, and I'm at M underscore Blade. If you need to contact the show for promotional reasons, tweet Stephanie at PodeskewPR. As I mentioned before, our special guest Matt Granger is at Reverend Maddie, and also on Instagram at Reverend Maddie. Check out Rico's YouTube channel, Rico's Rants, on YouTube at www.youtube.com slash Rico's Rants. Thank you to Dubbed in English for our opening theme music, 96 Reasons. They're no longer online, but you can contact me for a copy of the full song or the whole Plan 9 EP. Thank you to Samuel Lemons for our closing music, Theme Askew. You can find his music on SoundCloud at www.soundcloud.com slash Samuel-Lemons. Finally, our biggest thank you is to you, everyone, for listening. Rico and I really appreciate your time and look forward to bringing you another exciting episode soon. You guys are going to get me killed! Or worse, you're going to get me canceled. and dislikes people. Personally, I'm not a fan of the avocado. I just don't like the mouthfeel. But, but if you're someone who loves football, I mean, truly loves it well, my sportsbook app might be the greatest thing that has ever happened to you. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call, text, or chat on confidential and toll-free helpline at 1-888-532-3500.